Alive and Kicking is proudly supported by Classic Football Shirts, the home of classic, rare and retro football shirts. For 100% genuine non-reproduction retro shirts, head to classicfootballshirts.co.uk and use the bonus code AK90s to receive a 10% discount on your order. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than a Jarvis Cockle bumwiggle at the Brits. Wait. Kind of, kind of got it there. I've been trying to say that intro three times now, but I can't get Jarvis Cocker out of my mouth, which sounds quite wrong instantly, doesn't it? Welcome to Alive and Kicking anyway. As you might have guessed already, this is probably the most underprepared and hastily put together podcast we've done so far this season, mainly down to a late change in theme. Unfortunately, we were, if you follow us on Twitter, you might have seen a few tweets over the weekend that we were going to do a pod on video games of the 90s. So we got lots of great tweets from people um, remembering Sensible Soccer, FIFA and all those games from the 90s. Unfortunately, due to some late fitness tests, um, the guys who were going to come on the show who are pretty niche in their field and experts on the video games couldn't make it. So at four o'clock today, I hastily got some... I'm not going to call you ragtag, because you are regulars, aren't you? Super subs. Super subs. Yeah, that's better. Super subs. Actually, it's the, cause the first episode gang back together to, to talk something different for the 90s. So the theme we're going to be talking tonight is foreign imports and kind of the foreign players and how the impact they made, especially in the 90s and how it's become in the Premier League. Now it's norm, but back in the 90s it wasn't. So we're going to look at some of the Premier League foreign players, some of the big stars who we've kind of mentioned in the past already, and some... Probably the unknown ones that uh, we like to have a laugh of every now and then, like Andreas Salenzi and, and people like that. But before I do that, let me just do the housekeeping. I keep calling this the homework, but really it should be called the housekeeping. And I'm going to try and keep this down because a certain member of our guests tonight said this intro was too long <laughs> last week. No names, Mr. Paddy O'Sullivan. But there is a lot to get through. And, and we're also speaking to someone on the phone as well. But remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at AK90s and Facebook on the same address and a thank you to those and also thank you for the feedback you give us on the show we had a few last week on our Euro 92 pod uh, and I think we actually owe a teeny weeny apology uh, to any Scottish fans that are listening because we, we were a little bit dismissive a little bit maybe we didn't really talk about Scotland a lot did we on the Euro 92 pod but mainly because we ran out of time even all honestly but uh, we should remember that he had a great result in that tournament beating the, uh, the CIS who we discovered were actually a country last week 3-0 um, in that tournament but Going forward, when we do talk more tournaments, we make sure we get plenty of time to, to the other nations as well as England. But there was a lot to talk about. Um, but if you want to listen to that pod, of course you can on iTunes. Uh, all the other shows are on there. So why don't you listen? And while you're there, give a click on the subscribe button so that then your pod will appear in your device every week and you don't have to do a thing. And while you're there, why don't you put a rating and a little review too because that helps us out tremendously. If you haven't got an Apple device, you can listen to us on AK90s and on SoundCloud as well. Uh, we're still sponsored by the brilliant ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk, where you can get a genuine 90 shirt. And if you type in the bonus code AK90s, you'll get 10% off your order. Perfect for time for Christmas. And talking of Christmas, yes, here it comes. It's the cheap plug for my book, uh, which is this podcast is kind of spawned from the Alive and Kicking, the ultimate book of 90s football nostalgia, is available now from Amazon History Press. And I will stick uh, a link onto Twitter uh, uh, this week so you can... Uh, Click on that, and if you've got a 90s fan in your house, or you particularly want it yourself, because I'm sure if you listen to this pod, you are a fan of the era, there's plenty more memories and mementos in that book. 
So that wasn't as long, was it? That was all right. No, it wasn't too bad. That actually, wasn't yeah. too bad. We're yeah. also yeah. live on Mixers. Those who have already joined us saw that I messed up the intro three times. But going forward, if you want to listen to us live and you're not doing much on a Monday night, or if you're not watching Crystal Palace v Sunderland right now, and you want and whatever the Monday night football is next week, you can uh, listen to us live on Mixler. That's Mixler forward slash West 12 Media, or just download the app and you can listen to all the preamble and postamble as well as the 90 stuff in the middle. So let's say hello to our two regulars and our kind of reunion of episode one of Alive and Kicking. Oh, it was, wasn't it? It seems like quite far away now. It, it, yeah, it does actually, doesn't it? <laughs> Come a long way in our 90s voyage. Um, so hello, second week in a row and kind of part of the furniture now, <laughs> Mr. Own Paddy O'Sullivan. Uh, good evening, Ash. Good evening. And our Borough fan who, are, we're talking foreign imports, so yes, that word will come up again, <laughs> Mr. Janino. And I haven't said a word No, you yet. haven't yet, but I'm sure it will go up. Good evening, Joel. Good evening. And thank you, guys. Thank you especially for such the late notice and coming on. Um, we'll do a little CV only because we've got so we've heard so much from those guys already, but we have got a couple of questions for them. But here's a few things that did happen in the nineties this week. On the twenty third of November nineteen ninety three, so today, Graham Taylor resigned as England manager after Hooray. England failed to qualify for USA ninety four. Did we did we not like that? Yeah, did we not like that? Uh, on the same day in 19, November 1996, this is a great story, one of my favourites of the 90s, Ali Deer makes his one and only appearance in <laughs> Southampton after falling manager Graham Sinister, he was George Weir's cousin. Brilliant. Only in the 90s. Could never happen now. My cousin is Peter Beagree. That's genuine. So does, that is genuine. So does that mean I can go and get a trial? Probably. For, in the you know, 90s, you probably In the 90s, yeah, just phone up Graham Sinister yeah. and go, oh, Peter Beagree's my cousin, yeah, and I can backflip and everything. Does that mean I can... <laughs> If Ali Deer managed it, there's hope for everyone in the 90s. On the 24th of November 1993, Gary Mabbott suffers a broken cheekbone in a clash with John Fashionu, a wooga. 25th of November 1995, Paul Merson breaks down in tears as he admits to gambling, alcohol and drug addiction, which you can listen to us discuss that on our Scandal pod if you go back on iTunes. 26th of November 1995, May Night sign Eric Cantona, who I'm sure will get mentioned later on in the pod. And on the 29th of November 1998, Stephen Gerrard made his Liverpool debut in a 2-0 win over Blackburn. Yes, it was that long ago. Okay, we've got small CVs because we've done a lot with you guys and uh, we want to get on to talking to our guest as well as the, the, the hurried subject that we've come up with today. Um, Paddy, so we've done a lot with you and we're, we're going to put you to strikers because we've done strikers. We haven't heard your particular okay. choices. We've done a strikers pod, but we haven't heard your choices. So from the bridge, you've got a few to choose from. I suppose you could class Zayda as a striker, but are you choosing him? Uh, no, I'm not actually. Uh, best Chelsea striker for me, uh, Mark Hughes. Yeah. Um, basically, how he was I, on your wedding table, if I remember rightly. He, he was indeed, yeah. Um, how, how, <laughs> I think that was the table I was on, actually. How, how fickle can a football fan be in a very small space of time? If you'd have asked me at the end of May that, what, what I thought of Mark Hughes, oh, I can't, can't stand him, can't stand him. And then by August, I had his name on number on the back of my shirt because uh, he signed for us from uh, Man United. So uh, Mark Hughes, uh, absolutely loved Mark Hughes. Yeah, good man, yeah. Underrated, we haven't mentioned him, we didn't mention him as a striker. Fan, fantastic, fantastic striker. Great volley of the ball as yeah. well. One Brilliant. of my dad's favourites as well. Um, and then outside of the bridge, and we did a strikers pod, and I'm sure it'll be one of those names that come up. Who would be your striker of the 90s? Uh, yeah, I've, had, I've thought about this, Ash. Uh, Gabriel Bastard. Yeah. Uh, I, think you've, I think you've covered him on your strikers mm-hmm. pod recently. Uh, just a, uh, a brilliant, um, brilliant striker. I 
used to love watching him play. So compared to Jamie Vardy at the weekend, I knew I was going to say that. As yeah, well, apparently, <laughs> apparently so. But I don't, I don't, Sky Sports and not the actual comment yeah. that Claudio Ranieri said. But yeah, yeah. yeah so batters do it for me. Yeah, definitely. And then goals we're going with for you, Joe. So yeah. best Borough goal of the ninety. Oh. Was it Craig Hignick's goal at the Riverside? Who we the, spoke to the, earlier the, in the, the pod. The first ever goal yeah, at the Riverside. No, goal, it wasn't. Yeah. Very, it was at the Riverside. It's that man again. I'm afraid so, we should have a little little gong, shouldn't we, for Janino? Yeah. Um, yeah, Janino against Chelsea. <laughs> I knew uh, you were going to say that. Always happens with these two. It's um, diving header that I think got Borough goal of the season, and I think I think it was it certainly got goal of the month. I think uh, Janino starts off with the ball on uh, the left hand side, um, little dribble as he does out to Micklebeck on the wing. Beck crosses it in and a Janino diving header, no less. Even though he's five foot one. Or exactly, he was. yeah. Uh, absolute, threw himself in the air, diving header. It was kind of like, if you can imagine, you know, we talk about the Chesterfield where he fell flat on his face. Just imagine that, except he connected with it <laughs> and scored. And it's still my favourite goal, Borough goal of the night. And I'm, still, I'm still wondering where our defence was. And that small. Was that Erlen Johnson? Yeah, I think so. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there bless, you go. No, another reason why Joel still signs his name, Jolino, as we've learned on this pod throughout the season and outside the Riverside your favourite goal of the night again we've done a goals pod it probably was covered yeah, and but I was going to say I know you, you talked about the Yabor goal which mm. I, I love and, and the Cantona goal against Sunderland yeah. but just, just to make you happy okay ooh Trevor Sinclair yeah <laughs> no. not even my link no. <laughs> Trevor Sinclair against Barnsley isn't yeah. it yeah I just love it. it it's funny when I worked on Sunday brunch I showed it to Lovejoy and he'd forgotten all about it what <laughs> And I was like, oh, dare you, you, Tim. Re- you can't remember this. You can't remember this. And he was like, oh, vague recollections of it. But, they, you know. One goal of the season ahead of Mr. Beckham's long rage, long rage hit and hope mm. against Wimbledon. I, uh, I love it. Just everything about it. Yeah. Just, you know, you, you could try for a thousand years, I think, to hit one like that. And you well, know, he, it was me my and My favourite quote was him afterwards, I think, whatever it was, the papers or teletext, whatever it was those days, and said that he tries them every day in training. Of course you do, Trev. <laughs> Of course you do. And they always work. And they always yeah. work. No, fantastic goal. Even better because the ball in was from Danny Maddox. Brilliant. <laughs> right, we're going to talk to... Before we go on to Foreign Legion then, we're going to talk to today's guest. Uh, he played for Oldham, Ipswich, Leicester in the 90s. Uh, he's former striker, Ian Marshall. Ian Marshall, welcome to Alive and Kick In. Thank you very much, Dan. Thank nice you for joining Oh, thank you for joining us. We're going to take you right back to the beginning of the decade and you were at Oldham and you were enjoying an, an brilliant FA Cup run to the semi-finals. Tell us about that and, and scoring in, in the semi-final against Manchester United. Yeah, it was a fantastic time to be at the football club. Um, obviously, I was at Everton, a big club, and uh, uh, I lost my place when they, like, I was only a young lad. I'd just broken into the team, but didn't really hold down a, a permanent spot. And um, Joe Royal came looking for me. Uh, I went on loan there for a well, I ended up only being on loan for a week, and he wanted to sign me, so I signed. And when I first played, you know, it was 3,000 people. The crowd was 3,000 people. When we left, it was 18,000. It was a very, very special time to be in the little mill town. You know, we, um, we, you know, so as you say, semi-finals of the FA Cup, final of the League Cup, and uh, just missed out on promotion. And eventually, did get promotion uh, to the to the first. Well, it was the old first division. It became the Premier League. And what was it like playing in a, an FA Cup semi-final, and especially scoring a goal against <coughs> such a massive game? Yeah, it was fantastic because obviously uh, Oldham are just outside Manchester and, uh, you know, Man United were the big brothers sort of thing. And, uh, you know, we gave them more than an even game. I think we probably should have won, uh, especially the replay. 
I think we should have won the replay, but uh, I think that that was part of the thing that kept Alex Ferguson in a job at the time. And mm. you know, you know, wonderful things he went on to do. So uh, maybe if we had dumped them out, he may never never have achieved all them things. Yeah, that's absolutely a good point. And we had a question on uh, Facebook actually from uh, uh, one of our listeners, Matt Braithwaite. He wanted to know what it was it like to play under Joe Royal, especially that team, that olden team that used to perennial survive in the Premier League. Did well, did he bring a really gallant atmosphere and did a really collective team spirit? Yeah, I mean, I've been very fortunate in all the teams that I've actually played for. That one of the strongest driving forces behind it, the team being the team spirit. You know, we had a great team spirit at Ipswich, a great team spirit um, at Leicester, and a great team spirit at Bolton, which you know did us did us really well. Because as, as I said, I've never really played in dead fashionable football teams. Um, but we have had a, a great um, understanding with each other that, you know, we all knew we weren't big stars, but we all pulled together and, and ultimately dug out results. Yeah, and you had a penchant for playing in blue, didn't you, in the 90s? Was it a conscious decision to always play for a team in blue? Not really. I mean, I did, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually a Liverpool fan, so it's obviously the wrong way around, but... Uh, no, it was it was an Everton old Ipswich, and I, I got to uh, to Leicester, and then I went on to play for uh, Bolton in white and uh, Blackpool in tangerine. So that that all went out the the myth went out the window. <laughs> it was then. just the nineties. You stuck to the blue, and you, you, you mentioned yeah, Liverpool. that was probably you scored a, a goal at Anfield once on a time, didn't you? For Leicester, what was that like to score against uh, the team? That... Well, that was that was probably my favourite goal. Okay. Um, that I've ever scored. I mean, and I've scored some decent goals. It, you know, it wasn't me, probably mm. my best goal I've ever scored. It was decent. But as a, as a as a kid growing up, I wanted to you know score at the cop end in An- at Anfield. Okay, I wanted to be in a Liverpool kit and doing it for Liverpool. But the next best thing is to do against them and be the winning goal. I mean, it was eighty seven minutes on the clock, so it was the game was pretty much over, and it was a fantastic feeling. As I say, it's probably one of my favourite moments of my football career. Mm, and we can't really talk to you without mentioning uh, the hairdo in the nineties. Uh, you know, it was all the rage then, my friend. <laughs> How much grooming did go into that famous mullet, Ian? Do you know what? I'll I, 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 This is the gospel truth. Uh, I didn't. I, it was never permed. It was natural. <laughs> and um, honest to God, and uh, my ex-wife was a hairdresser. She used to cut it for me. And uh, as I say, it was all the rage then. Uh, I still think people would have it now. If it, you know, I'd, I'd probably have it now if it, if it came back. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, looking over the, especially in the nineties, you, you said you mentioned the teams you played for. Where would you say you, you played the best football and you were happiest? It's funny you should say that. You know, I always say that I was probably um, in the prime. I was, I was would be at Ipswich. Mm. Um, the trouble, the trouble was that we weren't a great team. You know, when I played at Leicester, we were a decent team. I played at Oldham, we were a decent team. I always thought Ipswich, you know, we were three or four players off being a decent team. Um, John Lyle, God rest his soul, you know, did his best. But again, it was very difficult coming up and not really spending loads of money on players. And uh, we survived one year, but it was very difficult to stay up. We had a good team spirit, but we just lacked in uh, probably in some departments uh, as being a good team. But I felt me fittest and healthiest and uh, in my prime. I was 27 years of age, and that's where I looked at probably where, 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 when I was in my prime, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and looking back over the decade, you must have played in some great teams. Who, who were the, the best you played with and the best you played against of, of that era of the 90s? 
Yeah, well, it was different. You know, in the in the early nineties when I just left Everton, Everton were the, the league champions and they won the FA Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup, and they had some great players there: Graham Sharp and Peter Reid. Uh, Neville Southall was probably mm. the best goalkeeper I've played with. Um, it was a fantastic team, and then coming through, um, you know, at Oldham I played with a guy called Andy Ritchie, who's yeah. probably a bit unsung. We played for Manchester United when he was a youngster. But one of the Mr. greatest Oldham. finishes, yeah, one of the greatest finishes I've ever played with. Um, you know, he could score from all angles, great with both feet. He's a really good forward. And then probably the best player as well, out of all of them that I played with, was probably Emil Heskey. Um, mm. he, he had everything, to be honest with you. I, I always think he, he probably, one thing that let him down was he wasn't the bravest of the lads, but ability-wise and, and power and everything, he had it all and you know, I thought he'd go on to have, get over a hundred caps for England because he was when he was young. He was absolutely on his day, frightening the life out of people. Mm. Going to the best player I played against would probably be Tony Adams. I'd say yeah. he was uh, the hardest opponent. You know, I never felt um, I used to get much out of, out of him. I remember playing for Ipswich. I think we were four 0 down at Highbury, and there was about a minute to go, and I scored, and I ran the length of the pitch celebrating because it was the only chance I ever got against him. <laughs> Great shout. And finally, before we let you go, um, the pod tonight, we're talking actually about the sort of foreign invasion that happened in the 90s. As someone who played literally throughout those 10 years, how conscious were you of how it changed over the 90s and, the, and how many foreigners were coming into the game and what it did to English football? Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I'm disappointed in it, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm really honest with you. I mean, I remember playing in the Oldham team. I don't think... I think we, we got Gunnar Haller from Norway and... Um, that was about it. We had maybe another another lad. Um, it's, you know, I, I just think the part and parcel of the foreigners coming over is the hunger. They, you know, they're very, very nice and they don't really have any sort of affection for the club they're playing for. It's purely a job for them. And, um, you know, a lot of them, I don't even think they know where they're going. It's agency mm. who are doing all the transfers and they don't know where they're going to end up or anything like that. I mean, I think it shows in the Newcastle, you know, Leicester, the Newcastle performance at the weekend was yeah. full of foreign players and, and you can just see there's no soul in the team that's, at all there's no you know if you look at the Leicester team there's quite a few like British players in it there seems to be an awful lot of hunger a lot more hunger in there but it disappoints me I mean I remember playing for Ipswich and uh, John Lyle and Charlie Woods went off on a, on a scouting mission to Argentina and we all thought in the papers and everything and all said we were, we were getting back to Scooter he came back with Adrian Paz, you know, and uh, he was never a success when he came. So it's, you know, I, I was looking forward to linking up with me and Batistuta up front of the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, disappointing, Ian. But thank you very much for your memories and great names there. We're going to laugh about um, Adrian Paz quite a lot on the pod now. So thank you very much for that, Ian. It's a pleasure, fellas. Thank Cheers. You very Thanks much. a lot. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Adrian Paz. <laughs> well done, Ian Marshall. I think that was a, that was a great shout on that one. Um, and Gunnar Haller, and he leads, that's a nice segue to the first point I was going to make as we talk about kind of the Foreign Legion in the, what happened in the Premier League and over the 90s. I've got in front of me a list of all the players playing in the Premier League, foreign players, 92, 93. Yeah. So I'm going to play a little game 
with oh, the guest oh, now. We're going to fail. We're fail. Gonna fail straight away. If you, how many we can? I mean, obviously I can. Hold I'm on a minute. Hold on a minute. Right. So you called us up. I know. Oh, now, <laughs> now we're going to embarrass you. And then, yeah. and then you've like, well, let's play let's a game. Play a game. Really? Yeah. Joel, do you did mm. you agree to this? Uh, not at all. No. Oh okay. come on. It's the it's like the yes and no game. Go on then. Go on then. Go on then. So also just name a player that you think was in. I'll start with Paddy. The Premier League at the start of the 92-93 season. Right, there was a player that played for Everton that nobody could say his name. Um, and I'm not even going to attempt it, but he was a, I think it was a Polish lad. I might be yeah. wrong. Uh, Wojciech? Yeah, Robert. Wo- Robert, what's it? I yeah. can't say it, but it, yeah. Some, something along those lines? Go yeah. on, give it. I want to see you do it. Oh, I can't, yeah, I'm going to leave it that. I would say... <laughs> Wojciech, wasn't that that Preki, or that was someone different? Preki. Was it Preki? Was that his nickname? Mm. Uh, possibly. 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 Yeah. Let's move yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, let's move on. I thought they were the same person. Mm. Okay, yeah, he's one. We won't do all these, because there are more than you think, but we'll do a few. Joel? And uh, I don't, I've just got Efinokoku in my head, oh, but I don't, know, I don't know whether that was Ooh, a bit I don't think he quite late 92, 93. Early, oh. yeah. All right, one more go. Paddy. Um, all right, Cantona I'm, must be there. Cantona, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. you Chef, um, Chef no, no, I'm just I'm at a guess through the Chelsea link. Someone like Ken, Ken Mulcahy, Erlen Johnson, those, those kind of both those for Chelsea. Yeah. yeah okay. Anymore? Uh, I'm trying to think. And, and just, I know we were in that. Uh, the Borough were in that inaugural season, but I can't remember no, whether we had anybody. No, there was. You had yeah. English lads, didn't you? Back, yeah. Um, yeah. Back then, as Ian Marshall would have loved. Mm, yeah. Indeed, yeah. indeed. A lot of English. <laughs> it didn't do us any good. Yeah, we I went down. So <laughs> there, there was. I think I counted earlier. Forty-two. Um, Foreign players in the in the first season of the 42. Premier League, which is which is more than you probably think, but ridiculous. It's incredible when now you when you think, think about it. Yeah. I mean, I'll pick out a few names here. It was obviously Jon Jensen and Hans Limpar at Arsenal, uh, Bosnich, Dwight York at Villa, um, one Roy Wegley, who I don't think we've mentioned uh, on never, this pod ever. ever, ever. ever. Mentioned him. I've never heard of him. Never heard. No, of him. He was playing for Blackburn at that time, so oh, right. no, I don't know. Some, yeah, I'm sure he was brilliant elsewhere. Chelsea was mentioned. Peter in Love, of Zimbabwe. Uh, they have Preki as we mentioned Craig Forrest and, and Frank Yallop at Ipswich Cadsna who was at Leeds yeah. I was a few Liverpool boys yeah Grobler Torben uh, Picnic no he was no not the first season oh. Probably, I think he signed midway really? through the first season actually great name Liverpool had Grobler of course yeah. uh, Itzvan Cosma as a name Ooh, from the past Jan Mulby and Ronnie and Ronnie that Miss Rosenthal <laughs> uh, Mike, Mikel Vonk in Man City can Chelsea get some Schmeichel uh, can Chelsea I can uh, believe out Schmeichel exactly uh, Forrest had someone called Olugsson from Iceland believe it or not yeah Toddy Olugsson yeah uh, remember him yeah Gunnar Haller of course that Ian Marshall mentioned Jan Stasekel my favourite ever Queen's Park Rangers goalkeeper Jan Stasekel Czech Republic number one at the time brilliant the goalkeeper jerseys used to wear were the best <laughs> uh, two, two for Sheffield Wednesday John Hawks um, from the USA scored in the League Cup final the, the season before um, and Roland Nielsen oh no that was John Sheridan sorry John Hawks scored in the 93 League oh. yeah, get it right Ash. Roland Nielsen who if anyone was listening last week and Paddy pointed this out in the pub afterwards I called the Denmark manage, manager Roland Nielsen that's how 90s my brain is yeah. instead of Roland Moral Nielsen which it was wasn't it or M- yeah. I can't yeah. even remember his name. <laughs> but Roland Nielsen, the right back, brilliant. Kim, Kim Muller Nielsen. Kim Muller Nielsen, yeah. that's it, yeah. yeah. Um, last few years, Goodney Bergson at Tottenham, Naeem and Eric, Eric Levick in Chorsvek. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or something else that they used to be called at Stamford Bridge, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and Hans Sagers. Hans Sagers. There you go. So that, that was kind of the first kind of amber of foreigners that were in. I mean, there were few and far between before that and in the early 90s and, and even before that in the 80s with uh, Maradina at Newcastle. So my first question, really, who was the game changer? What changed? I mean, was, what what players really sort of changed the game in terms of the opened the door for more? You've got to go with Cantona, haven't mm. you? And, and yeah. Cantona and Klinsman, I think, were the two. Yeah, 
I think yeah. we're really the. T- I think Cantona was the first wave, and then Klinsman was the right. We're coming now. Klinsman was such a huge deal yeah. that signing because Klinsman. Uh, Klinsman uh, sorry, get the words out. Klinsman was a megastar. Yeah, you know he. You know, won the World Cup with Germany. Was still very prominent. USA ninety four. Played in the Champions League semi-final that year for Monaco, and then suddenly yeah. he signed for Spurs. Yeah, who now, right, without any club we're, allegiances, no. we're, we're without, not a title-chasing no. club by well, any stretch. By the way, they started on minus six yeah. points because of all the sort of shenanigans, tr- trouble, jiggery word, jiggery pokery. <laughs> <laughs> love that word. Um, of all the trouble they had, um, they started on minus six points. So it was a bit of an odd, odd choice. He opened the door, and then of course, I think as we've discussed in the past, Rude Hullet then kind of followed Janino, sort of Ravinelli, that that kind of um those kind of players. And we weren't we weren't used we weren't used to seeing those sort of players at all. Um which was um I think what what helped with Klinsman as well is that he came over and everybody was expecting him to be a, a sort of uh, you know the typical sort of German stereotype that he was going to be he wasn't going to be particularly funny he was yeah. going to dive all over the place and then of course he scores in his first goal yeah. and they all go and dive yeah. all over the pitch and yeah. he just instantly won over yeah. Every, everybody was like okay yeah, he was fine. a neutral Tottenham suddenly became one of the unless you're a, a, a direct rival he, they became a neutrals team didn't they yeah. because how, of Klinsmann how to change the opinion of yeah. the nation overnight yeah. score a brilliant uh, header and then Run to the in a towards, kit, run towards well. the, run towards the corner flag and dive, and yeah. everyone kind of thought, "Oh yeah, he has got a sense of humour." I wonder if he got told to do that or yeah, that was I off was, his own back. I did, Either yeah. way, I mean, it was a brilliant stunt to do because, like you say, it completely won over any skeptics um, that were surrounding. Lo- um, I was going to say Loftus Road then, <laughs> <Yeah>. if only <laughs> White Hart Lane. But yeah, Klinsman was a bit, and he actually won the Football Writers Award that year, yeah, which was, was one of the. He, I thought he would have been in the first, but it was the Ipswich guy in the eighties. Mm-hmm. His name mistaken as no, my know. memory now, but won the football writers. Award. We're not here to talk about the yeah, 80s, exactly. Ash. We 90s, talk exactly, about the nineties. Yeah. But he won it in, in 94, 95 for that brilliant season. And of course, later on, you know, Klinsman's shirt was used to great effect to not wash <laughs> Alan, <laughs> Alan Sugar's car. <laughs> yeah. Never come back. Kind of, everyone forgets yeah. that second spell, yeah. don't they? I think he scored four goals against yeah. Wimbledon. I think it's the only thing I can ever mm. remember from that second spell. When yeah, all... it's a bit like a sort of a band that comes back <laughs> yeah. after, bad, after yeah. years, yeah. and you These... think, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. you weren't as good. No, oh, no. don't bother. Uh, but Eric Cantona, who obviously we've mentioned a lot on this pod, and we did yeah. speak the first week when we yeah. were all on, and I think was it Joel chosen as your yeah. player of the nineties. He obviously not just changed the Premier League, changed Manchester United as well. First foreign player to win the PFA Player of the uh, Year award as well. Um, what was it? His aura, his because he was a different kind of foreign foreign player as well. Because of his just the way he played football, did that help? Was Klinsman came in superstar? Kansnar built up, built up, built up, and just became this superstar. Did that help people say so I can go to the Premier League and make a name for myself? I think I think what people forget about Eric Kansnar is that he was he was generally a brilliant footballer. Yeah. Because because he had that kind of aura about him, like you said, I think we talked about it before the, the the chip over sort of Lionel Perez, you know, the kind of celebration that went that went with that. Everybody called, oh God, what an arrogant man, all that sort of stuff. But he was he was a brilliant, brilliant footballer. I mean, the the year, the second time they won the double, they won five or six games in a row, one nil, and it was one nil Cantona, one nil Cantona, yeah. all the way through. Yeah. He literally carried that team um, to the double. And he was he was an immense yeah immense footballer. I always liked the advert that Nike did. The nineteen sixty six was a great year for for English football. Eric Cantona was yeah. born. And it kind of summed it up the way yeah. that, that he, his impact yeah. had on. But we have spoke a lot about Cantona on this pod in the past. And the, 
there was another name and he didn't have the bigger impact but uh, two actually but they were big stars at the time and it just showed how the Premier League was beginning to come we were attracting these players whereas it used to be mainly Italy in the 90s but firstly Thomas Brolin who we know how it ended at Leeds but when he signed he again like Klinsman you know you come off the back of USA 94 with Sweden I think they finished third or fourth didn't they USA 94 I should know that's my favourite World Cup Um, he was another one that came in and you were like that's Thomas Brolin. Yeah, you're right. You're and right. He signed for Leeds. And he signed for yeah again a team that I know they won the league in '92, but by that point they were going through a transitional yeah. period. But that's 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 the thing. I think during the during the '80s, people were used to foreign players signing for Liverpool or Man United. So yeah. you'd have like Danish players, you know, playing for Liverpool United. And suddenly they started playing for for teams that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to play for. Like we mentioned earlier on, Chelsea had a couple, for example, mm. um, early '90s. That was kind of unexpected. But there was another one for Forrest, uh, Brian Roy. Oh, Brian mm. Roy. Came off the back of USA 94. Yeah. Probably could have had a pick of teams across Europe, but signed for a team that had only just been promoted from yeah. the championship. Mm. That, would that happen right now? I'll tell you, ask QPR. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> when Julio yeah. Cesar walks yeah, up at Loftus well, Road, yeah, you never know, is, but keep true, it 90s. Yeah. But yeah, but, but again, Brian Roy, yeah. in, uh, that Forrest team... Uh, Against uh, with a manager that no offence to Frank Clark wasn't yeah. probably known that well outside of the Premier League Outs- yeah. outside of Forest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Always looked like was it Droopy Dog? Always yeah. what Frank mm. Clark looked like. But Brian Roy and, and the other one didn't again didn't work out as well. But when he signed, you're kind of like. Okay, these, you know, these are big star. Attilio Lombardo. <laughs> Every time his name is mentioned, yeah. well, I've got course. to do the Lombardo. Yes. There you go. For everyone listening in, he's actually dancing around yeah. the studio. <laughs> but he was for Crystal Palace. Yeah. Yeah. Amaz- amazing. <laughs> Who else did they get at that time? They got two, didn't they? They got um, Padovano. That was yes. Yeah, Michelle Padovano. Padovano. Uh, from Juve. Yeah. 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 Yeah, good knowledge. Absolutely crazy. And then Lombardo crazy. ended up being in, in charge. Yeah, yeah, it was manager. Manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the bald eagle. Yeah, but I think one of the other things during the the nineteen nineties was, I suppose, it's still relevant today. If England lost to a team, most of them players suddenly ended up playing yeah, in England. Norway. That is exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Suddenly, it was like Bohemian and Fjordtoft <laughs> yeah. and, and Gunnar Haller that Gunnar Ian Haller, Marshall yeah. mentioned earlier on. All these players. They suddenly turned, and they ended up being. They ended up having a lot of them had successful careers. Yeah, in, in, a lot, in there was a lot of Scandinavian. There was a Scandinavian invasion. Oh, because again, Denmark in '92 as well. They did so well. You had John Jensen, yeah. and obviously Peter Schmeichel, yeah. and Torben Picknick, who we mentioned earlier. Absolutely, um, it was a lot of. You're right. They were the successful teams, and then took over, and you got these hand. You know, sort of Perry cherry picked the best sort of players from yeah. from those shores. And yeah. can the, I just sort? Of, I'm going to sort of address the balance from last week. Uh, Scottish listeners Henrik Larson Henrik <laughs> yeah <laughs> of course Henrik Larson up in Scotland as well but Pierre Van Hoydon was yeah, another one yeah, as absolutely. well um, who, who and then went very, to Forest and then fell out with everybody yeah, at Forest went on strike yeah, yeah. later in but when he, again when he signed for Forest you, were, you know he's done so well at Celtic but these those players that's, I mean they like you say they all came but then there's the opposite end of the scale which Ian Marshall alluded to a little bit as well like mm. modern day it still happens you get certain players that, that come and for us in the 90s they become the Andrew Salenzis didn't they and the, the yeah. players be kind of oh yeah, yeah. You, kind of look, you kind of look back and laugh at these individuals but at the time you thought 
Who the hell are you? Yeah. The one West Ham signed, and I love this, was it Marco Boogers? <laughs> Marco Boogers who went off and stayed in a, in a caravan. Yeah, he stayed in a caravan. Now, I'm not going to make any jokes about West Ham whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, or caravans. Or, or caravans. Or people who live in caravans. And uh, Ra- like Ralph caravans. mentioned it last week. They signed Paolo Future. Yeah, and... And Radichoyu. Radichoyu, yeah. <laughs> and you think, at the time, you think, well, not bad signings. Mm. Went straight down the pan, went didn't they? Went straight down the pan. Yeah. yeah. We mentioned, that's another team that... Uh, was cherry picked by English, like we had Romania with Ili Dimitrescu, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pes- me both yeah. of Spurs, yeah, yeah. we had um, which we got Petrescu from Pet Rescue, yeah, yeah from, of course, from uh, Fox Hunter himself, yeah, we got him from Sheffield Wednesday, great, yeah. great signing, and um, yeah, as you're, you're right, there's there's certain sort of clusters of, of countries that sort of mm-hmm. came came into the Premier League and and really uh, took took over, yeah, and then there was the odd ones. I think a name that we always laugh about, particularly and I've known you for a while, Mister O'Sullivan, is Buncho Gunchev. Yeah, just because it's funny, because <laughs> it's funny, cause more, more than yeah, more, more than anything. Than, Bulgarian, more than anything. Uh, we probably played with Ian Marshall. We should have yeah. asked him about. Yeah, there's yeah. probably there's probably like a Bulgarian '90s football podcast where they're, <laughs> la- <laughs> where they're laughing at Ian Marshall, going Ian yeah. Marshall, ha ha ha. Brilliant. The host kid, yeah. The host sitting there going, right? Um, will it do your '90s CV? Yeah, we've heard Stoichkov and Metzkov. <laughs> we don't want any of that. Yeah. What? About Genchev. Genchev or Ivanov. Ivanov, the guy with the big yeah, money and the yeah. beard at USA yeah. 94. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah we, we want all that sort of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so if you're listening yeah. to the Bulgarian <laughs> yeah. 90s podcast, <laughs> please. Uh, a question I've got for it, it's particularly apt for you two, and I didn't plan this pod because, as we said at the top of the show, but it, it's kind of worked out well. Your two teams in particular, the teams you support, who suffered, not say suffered, but got involved in the foreign invasion quite yeah. dramatically. Yeah. Um, you know, with various degrees of success. <laughs> we mentioned Branko in the first. Well, yeah, yeah. Do you, as a fan, how did you feel about it then, and how do you feel about it now? And or did you not bother? You just wanted to see good players playing at a bonus? I loved it. I think we were going out and getting players that excited the world, and, and we just weren't able to get them in this country. I think, mm. I think we were. I think Middlesbrough was sold as a project to yeah. a lot of players, certainly to Janino, certainly to Ravinelli. Is that we are essentially a brand new club, which we were at that time, and and I think yeah. you know a lot of people in England would have known that we weren't a brand new club, and we were this club that had sort of yo-yoed between uh, the first, second, and third divisions really throughout the eighties, uh, and I think. Robson was able to go out and sort of hoodwink people almost yeah, yeah, and go, yeah. you know to get Janino to get Ravenelli to get Emerson to get those sort of top notch foreign players so I think for us it was entirely necessary to kind of take the club on to whatever level we wanted to get to yeah and for you, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I agree. First, first and foremost, I'm, I'm a, a Chelsea fan, so to be yeah. honest with you, the eleven players could come from outer space as long as they can, they can score a few goals and, and uh, win a few matches. Yeah, don't mention modern day football. We won't talk about <laughs> that. Um, but um, yeah, for, for me to see the likes of Rude Hullet, Viali, Zola, Di Matteo, all them kind of players um, t- turn up at Stamford Bridge, little unknown Frank Leberth who ended up winning the World Cup and I he think never he won, yeah, I mentioned think he won the World it. Cup. Yeah. He never mentioned it. For, for me to see players players like that was absolutely fantastic and it was a real education. I really, really enjoyed watching them sort of players yeah. play. Don't get me wrong, every sort of club, I think you mentioned Branco earlier on, oh, every, yeah. every club signs terrible foreigners but there is always the one, the ones that you remember are obviously the brilliant ones. Yeah. And what, one player that I loved, one foreign player in the, in the Premier League, and I think he absolutely shone was Kanchelskis. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think at one point when it was all just first happening with Middlesbrough, it was kind of a choice between Kanchelskis and Barnby, and we got Barnby, and Kanchelskis went to Everton, and I just remember thinking the whole club would have been entirely different. The, the whole team would have been built round 
Andre Kanchelskis, and we, you know, we probably would have still signed Janino and everybody else, but I just always thought he was absolute top-notch, frightening. I saw him uh, at Everton play Borough. Janino uh, was taken out in the first three minutes, and then uh, it was Andre Kanchelskis versus Chris Morris, which, uh, yeah, Kanchelskis set up three and scored one. Yeah. So. <laughs> Not a bad day out. When I think of those foreign players, you're like, oh yeah, Jamie Marino. Jaime Moreno. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Marino from was one. Uh, Bolivia. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're already running out of time because we, we, as we keep saying, we hastily put this pod together at the last minute. Um, going back to Chelsea slightly, 1999, you know what I'm going to say, December 99, yeah. first foreign team, complete 11. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, yeah, was going to mention that and it it's sort of slipped. Some things that you don't even think about now because it happens on a regular basis. But yeah. at the time, it was such a big deal that you, there was not a single British or Irish player in, yeah. in, uh, the, in the starting 11. Was it on the bench? Was it it's just the starting 11, wasn't it? Just the starting it? 11. I think Arsenal yeah. later did the squad, didn't they? Yeah. But um, there was, I, I might have to check this up, but there was, there was an English player on the bench that day and I think his name was John Terry. Terry, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I might, yeah. have to, I might have to look that up. But um, t- we got a lot of stick for that back then um, for having uh, a, a full 11 that was was not from England yeah. you know how how dare you not 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 do that we were just the first team in a long line yeah. to um, to do that as as you said and um, that was just that's just the way football that's just the way football's gone after um, gone after that but um I say we we had a, a mix as I said we had a mix of nationalities and I didn't care where they came from yeah, so I'll just go quickly go through that team. It was Dehoy, Ferrer, Leboeuf, Emerson, Tom, Pet yeah. Rescue, Celestine, Babiaro, Poyer, Deschamps, Di Matteo, Gabriel, and Rossetti. Oh. a name that didn't do as well as the others, and Torre Andre Flo, which was the, the yeah. first team. Um, the final final point I'm going to leave with Joe as well. I think did the invasion. I don't like this. Probably not the right word, but the influx. Maybe that's a better yeah. word of, of foreign players into the Premier League. Ultimately, help teams in Europe because we we won the odd kind of we talked about it in our previous pod the Cup Winners Cup but by the end of the decade we were looking at a May night team that had won the Champions League the foreigner rule yeah, had been I mean, lifted yeah, I was going to say that was always the problem wasn't it is that you know some days they couldn't play Kane sometimes they couldn't play gigs when they're in Europe and that was patently ridiculous but yeah absolutely I think that you know you went through especially later on where we had that period where there was always English club in the semis and the finals that was stuff that we couldn't dream of you know we were used to seeing our best club Manchester United get tormented from by Barcelona mm-hmm. 4-0 um, so yeah, absolutely. I think I think you know anywhere where you can get good players and good pedigree from yeah. is going is going to help you. You know, unfortunately now that's a worldwide search for every club in the world. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, guys. I know it was you know a, probably a quicker pod than normal, but it was put together at the last minute, as we've <laughs> said. But I think we've digged into some great names there as well. So brilliant names and great memories. Um, we have got a competition running on the Twitter feed if you want to check that out. Um, you can win yourself a Cult Zero t-shirt if you haven't been on their website. Uh, t-shirts of many of the names we've mentioned tonight, actually, of all the kind of forgotten heroes of the 80s, 90s, even to the modern day, and you get them on your chest. You know I can say, yes, I have got a Roy Wegley one uh, on a hoodie and as well as a T-shirt. That's how sad I am. But you can go on there. They've got three winners. All you need to do is click the link, uh, and then it sends you to a page where all you've got to do is put an email address, register with the website, and you'll be put into the draw, and we'll uh, draw the winners uh, in a couple of pods' time. But until then, thank you again. Thank you very much, especially for this last-minute pod. Thank you, Matt, Paddy. Thank you, Joel. No worries. No worries. We'll see you soon. Hashtag keep it 90s. This podcast is a West 12 Media and Burble Media production. Alive and Kicking is proudly supported by Classic Football Shirts, the home of classic, rare and retro football shirts. For 100% genuine non-reproduction retro shirts, head to 
classicfootballshirts.co.uk and use the bonus code AK90s to receive a 10% discount on your order. I love you.